Welcome to another podcast from Anomaly Literary Journal, this time a conversation with Blas Falconer, whose new poetry collection, Forgive the Body This Failure, is out now from Four Ways Books. I had such a great time talking to Blas. Um, I mean, he's... His poetry collection is just an absolutely stunning piece of work, um, and you can find it everywhere that you normally find books. Um, and I just had such a fun time talking to him um, about his work and about this book, and just about poetry in general. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Faulkner's work. Um, as a poet, he's one of those poets that I look up to. And he's just been such an inspiration to me, and he's been so supportive of my work that it was just fantastic um, to sit down and actually just have a conversation with him. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Blas Falconer. Just reviews coming over, we're going to talk about the next batch of poems, um, kind of, so... Get nice. to it. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, I wish I lived, like, close enough to, <laughs> like, Shirelle. And... But it must be pretty, it must be good there. It must be good in, and you're in London, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, um, I think, like, Ollie and Rosanna have kind of backed off of it a bit. Like, they're quite busy, so they, they don't, like, it was always kind of my thing anyway. Um, podcast? Or? Um, or just the magazine in general, yeah. Okay. But um, so I, I kind of got like with, you know, with I think with Submittable, you have a lot of flexibility. So I was able to get readers in who wanted more experience. And then, yeah. of course, like Sherelle has just been so amazing. I was just kind of like, do you want to be an editor? And of yeah. course, she's like, she's delighted to. But she's such a great eye as well. Like she's one person being in charge of something like that is I think sometimes it's too much control. Yeah. I think you miss things. And I was kind yeah. of getting to a point where, like, oh, maybe I'm picking the same stuff. Maybe I'm missing things. And she, she's, like, really good at, like, oh, this poem would be perfect if they dropped this line and stuff yeah. like that. And then I think, I find myself thinking completely differently about something. And I realize, like, she's absolutely right. You know, I think you, you need a mix of people to... Yeah, it's funny. Last week we were looking at poems and we were burnt out because we had gone through so many and we were discussing so many... And then this really long. Sorry, hang on. I think you're cutting out. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was laughing at this poem. I was moved by the poem. I didn't have any problems with it. I, I thought it was so well written. And she was like, I hate it. I hate this poem. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so we kind of had it out a bit. And I just said, I said, obviously, I'm not going to say insist that we publish a poem, but I think you need to like reread this when you've had a good night's sleep, and like we haven't read for three hours, and and um, I was like, this is so different from me and from anything we've published, but I think it's wild. It's really, really good. And she was like, but I don't understand this part. I'm like, you would never ask that of like some poets you would love, you know, like. You wouldn't, you know, so I think you're, 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 um, anyway, so it was a moment where we disagreed and she, the next day she emailed me and she's like, okay, you're right. We should take that. <laughs> so glad that we hadn't made the decision there. And I usually won't stick to my guns. Usually I'm like, okay, all right, we'll pass on that one. Like, so like with your work, we talked about it. We're like, look, this is, she's like, oh, I see the strengths. 
this is what I'm worried about. I'm like, yeah, what if, you know, we talked about like, oh, if he didn't do this or did that, then I think it would be stronger. And she's like, I agree. And so like, anyway, it's, it's helpful to have a co-editor you can talk through stuff with. And yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I'm always a bit nervous of approaching writers and kind of being like, oh, can we change this? But I yeah. kind of like, I only sort of do it when I really feel like actually why we both think we're right and it's sort of like it's not that we think we're right but it's also that like we can see that it would be stronger if and sometimes you know I, no one's ever said like no I mean I've had so many editors come back to me with like oh can you drop this line can you drop whatever this this verse and you know what in retrospect they've always been correct they've always made it stronger so it, yeah. it, it is helpful to have that objectivity I think yeah and also you know I think what I always say is we're going to take it no matter what. Like, it has to be good enough as is. I kind of have to, like, and I feel like as an editor, you have to, like, you have to, you know, you accept the poem oftentimes as is with, like, understanding that there's certain parts that you don't think are as strong, but then you would say, you can still say, we wondered if it might be stronger this way, and we, you know, would you consider that? But you don't have to do it. Like, this is an acceptance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that helps. And then they almost always say, yeah, you know what? You're right. And every once in a while, they're like, no, I'm not changing it. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> um, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, but anyway, it's it's an interesting process. Yeah, it, it definitely is. <laughs> um, but, I like, I really enjoy it. Like, I mean, it, you know, people always kind of say, you know, that's an awful lot of, of time out of your day-to-day existence when you're not in work you're not being paid for it but it's kind of yeah. like well you know well one half of me is sort of like well what else am I going to do <laughs> and then the other half is kind of like well if I'm thinking about it all the time I might as well be doing something about it uh, that sort of gives back a little bit so yeah it is an interesting right. process um it's an enjoyable one though so when, when is your book coming out I still haven't gotten an email from your editor oh they emailed me um (laughs) yeah so it is pretty soon i think they're just um i think the cover work is almost done um i think it's it's pretty much like last stages now i think it's going to be like a couple of weeks um so it's definitely it's going to be september um but what about do i do i still need to write you a blurb or have i written you a blurb no no, they'll they'll send you an a or c copy so you can then do it right. <laughs> like preferably after you've read it <laughs> yeah yeah no, I, but, yeah I was like I couldn't remember I feel like sometimes I'm I uh, confuse my mental notes to do something with the memory of having done it <laughs> yeah I do I do the same thing <laughs> yeah or often in work I'll, like, I'll have done something and someone will come back to me like six weeks later and be like oh do you remember when we were talking about it's like no no I don't and if I don't remember it's probably done if, if I've done it it's completely left my consciousness it is yeah, not there anymore I have room for it in my yeah brain. yeah Exactly. But uh, so they def they yeah they they will definitely send it to you yeah that's and thank you for doing that by the way that's amazing yeah I really appreciate my that. pleasure. So your new book, which is incredible, um, Forgive the Body This Failure, it's so beautiful. Like I keep picking it up and reading it and then putting it down and then picking it up again. Like I, I must have read it like five times. Like, oh, but it's, wow. it's just, it's so, it's such a great mix of poems. Like, like obviously, like I was kind of thinking, 
like I hate or kind of hate to use the word confessionalism but it is like slightly more confessionalist in nature like I mean I think your poetry's always sort of had that tint yeah. to it but not it's never been quite so explicit I don't think until this book I mean that's kind of sort of how I yeah. read it well you know like the first I think the first they're all inspired largely by um my own experiences but I do think that this book approaches them differently um I always think of the the first book as kind of like the poems taking place outside in the real world you know like a kind of they're kind of filmed moments almost yeah uh, and so like a kind of narrative moment that the kind of words center around um to try and kind of you know, uh, translate. Um, and then, um, the second book was, I really wanted to do something different. And it was when I was, you know, first, I first became a father and, um, I was sleep deprived and exhausted and working full time. And it's a common story, but, um, I remember being very much in my head at the time. Um, you know, my, because I was so sleep deprived and scared and tired or, you know, uh, confused and excited and experiencing all these, uh, um, emotions and, and, and thoughts at the same time. Um, I really thought of the poem as being centered in my, like that wild brain, that kind of monkey mind of just jumping around from thing to thing. So I relied on these other kinds of techniques of like um the poetic leap mostly um to kind of express that um perspective but the third book i feel like is in some ways a combination of the two because i feel like um they were often inspired by some real moment but um i really wanted um them to be more meditative and to calmly reflect on um what what's happening in the poem or what inspired the poem so perhaps that's why they feel more confessional than the others because you know you're not only getting the moment but you're getting a kind of calm or reflection um kind of on that moment yeah um maybe that's it because there are like acrostic poems in there as well in there as well um, yes. Yeah. I'm getting feedback. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm getting feedback for myself. Uh, yeah. So I, I took part in a project with um, the Latino Studies Program at the University of Notre Dame. And uh, they're called Letras Latinas. And they brought in all these Latinx authors to come um, see an exhibit of Latinx um, visual artists that um, it was uh, opening at the Smithsonian and we were invited to respond to um, to the work and we all did it differently sometimes they gathered as a group and they kind of had a class and a workshop and they responded to the work but I did it differently I went to DC which is where I was um, born and raised and um, every day I spent the afternoon in the exhibit and then I would just kind of walk around until something finally struck me. And then I would go home and I would just write 
all day and all night. And then that, that next morning, by 9 o'clock, I had to send my poem to the director of the Latino Studies program at the University of Notre Dame. And once I sent it, I had my breakfast, and I went back to the museum to do the next poem, right? Um, it was just a kind of um, boot camp um, <laughs> yeah. experience we set up for ourselves. And I like those. I like those experiences because I feel like um, you don't have time to be safe or to kind of, um, you know, you know, chicken out. You've got to get it yeah, you done. You have to do it. And you know somebody's waiting for the poem, so you know they're gonna there's gonna be immediate judgment on like you didn't do it or you did you know you like you really pushed or you didn't. And um, one thing, one challenge I always had was when I was looking at the acrostic poem or at the artwork was moving beyond the art piece. Um, it's not just a replica of the artwork, but you know one thing I wanted to try and capture was why that particular piece struck me in that moment. And so, for example, in one of the poems, um, Platenal, which is about a um, plantain orchard, I just, um, by a Puerto Rican artist, I thought, I've seen this landscape so many times. Mm. And it reminded me of my grandmother and kind of my childhood, you know, spending my, like, summers and winters. That's Margaret. Okay. So it, <laughs> so it reminded me of um, you know so many winters and summers there with my cousins, my aunts and uncles, my grandmother, and um, and there was something in particular about that painting that made me think of um, my grandmother's unfulfilled dream of seeing her island become independent um, because this is probably too much more than you ever wanted to hear about this painting but the um, it's this orchard but about halfway through the painting um, it becomes very dim dark and so it looked like this kind of bleak moment descending on the orchard and I thought oh that's kind of the realization that what she aspired to and what she hoped for for her country, what she considered her country, um, wasn't going to happen. And so anyway, so the point mm -hmm. being that mm -hmm. even though what inspired the poems, the, the, it wasn't a moment, it was, the, the image led to a kind of um, emotion or some sort of sentiment that I could connect to a personal moment. So it was a, a, way, a way to get there. It was a so way in. Did, yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing myself back twice, and I'm really hoping that's not recording it that way. But we can always do it over again. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> we'll just read from a transcript. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll try and do your voice. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, no, I really feel like like this book just not challenges, but I mean, grief is a big part of it. And obviously, like, the poem that you get the title from, Vigil, is just, I mean, it's earth-shattering. Because, like, I mean, you know, there are, like, how many hundreds of thousands of poems about grief? But it's such an impersonal way of writing about it that it's, it becomes even more effective. 
to be honest, like if anybody's ever lost anybody, like that's that's quite an upsetting poem to to read when right. you when you're forced to kind of watch someone. But I just thought it was such a brave poem to to even like attempt to write. I don't I don't even know if I would have that in me to be able to do that. I don't think. You know, it's so funny that poem. Like, I'm going to tell you a backstory. I don't know if I'm talking too much or too little. No, or, not at all. Keep going. <laughs> it's a conversation, right? And so, but something about that poem, I always want to tell people about it. And I know, and this is probably has nothing to do with the poem, but about writing it. Um, you know, I was experiencing a lot of loss at the time. Like, in many ways, like my, like, you know, my father's mother passed away. My mother's mother passed away. I was witnessing both of those things happening. I was witnessing them kind of look at their own mortality at the same time. And this seems maybe, you know, really kind of foolish to say, but at the same time I had two very young children and the, um, you know, the older one was witnessing death like very, in a very immediate way because mm. we had two pets that died, three pets that died within a few months of each other and they were what he was watching it happen. And so I was, I was struggling with it, with watching my parents, especially, um, experience the grief. And then I was watching my son do it right in, in front of me and trying to, um, console him experiencing my own version of it, of course. Um, and at the time I was working really closely with a good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine named Daniel Blasey, a poet I went I went to school with at the University of Maryland from my MFA in the mid nineties. Um, and we had always stayed in touch, but we had reconnected in a way that was so amazing. Um, he just was one of those friends that I could like, you know, pick up the phone and we were like back where we left off. And we just um, we just said, let's let's push each other again. Let's, you know, we said we were so um, we inspired each other in graduate school. Let's do it now. You know, even though he lived in Boston, I lived here in L.A. And um, I was just starting this book and um, we would write a poem each week and we would call each other like we, it was due on Monday. And then we would call each other throughout the week. How are you doing? Are you, what are you reading? What are you writing? Are you struggling with something? It's okay. You can do it. We just kept pushing each other and um, it just became such a fun experience. <laughs> we did it for months and months and months. And um, when I was writing this poem, I, um, I wrote the first section one week. I didn't know what it was. We were allowed to send each other trash. It was totally yeah. fine. And I, I sent the first draft, and I just remember thinking, I don't know how to write about this, so I kept using um, repetition, um, which is a great, obviously, rhetorical device when you're experiencing grief because you can't get past it, you know? So when you keep returning and returning to the same, Im same image or word, you're kind of um, capturing that inability to process a kind of yeah. a, a, you know, a, a, a trauma. So anyway, so I sent the um, I sent the first section to him, and he was like, "You're killing me with this repetition. You got to stop it. I hate it." <laughs> and so I was like, oh, "Okay, thanks for your feedback." But then the next week, I sent him the second section, and I was like, "I'm going to give him even more repetition." One, <laughs> I'm repeating the words "the body," which seemed to me like 
like what is the body you know what what is this thing that you know that i mean other poets have kind of tackled before um uh you know other you know writers and um thinkers and religious folk um and so i uh i was like it's, it's like well this seems perfectly natural so i just kept doing it anyway i did it week after week after week and he was getting more and more annoyed <laughs> but in a playful manner and um so i finished the poem and towards the end of this book he was so excited for me he had this horrible accident and passed away oh. completely unexpectedly yeah and um so i i think of this poem as this um this bizarre and i think of a lot of this book in fact I mean, I wrote several, I wrote a handful of poems after he passed away, but I think of it, you know, I dedicate this book in part to him, um, but I think of that poem and I think of like other poems in there um, as almost addressed to him or for him as well, even though they were written before he passed away. It's like the, you know, when the poem becomes prophetic, you yeah, know. it takes um, away its own life after the fact. After the fact. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, that's kind of the history behind that poem. Oh, I'm really sorry yeah. for you. For your I, think, I feel blessed that we had that great reconnection, and um, and I hope that um, yeah. Anyway. Oh man, I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm one of those people that think you know everything kind of happens for a reason. So you know, it's it's so good that you reconnected. I do. But I actually one of the things I really like in this book is like the, the poems about the kids mm. like they're so sweet but they never like they it, like there's there's something that you do in some of these poems not even just the ones about your kids but like there's things like uh, the poem like Evening Walk like where it's 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 intimate but it's to a point and it never kind of goes beyond that point and it describes you know one of those like <laughs> stupid like moments that sort of everyone has in a relationship but no one ever talks about like you know it, it's just like a momentary irritation and it's just sort of like but the way that you handle it is done so well and I, I remember reading it and kind of going like why doesn't anyone why doesn't everyone write poems about like these small like domestic little like oh god he's really annoying me right now like I just thought it was really but it was done so beautifully and like even like the poem Simple Proof it's like it's just so tentative and beautiful, but it doesn't like it's it has its own energy. It doesn't need to go any deeper. And I think like with this book in particular, I think this is what you do really, really well. You know, I appreciate you. Said, I, you know, I obviously, you know, if I had to describe the poems, I would describe them as mostly spare. And mm. um, when I, you know, after writing my second book, The Foundling Wheel, of course, I don't want to write the same book over and over again. So I was thinking, what's next? What's next? And I just wrote, actually, um, uh, you mentioned the poem. Which one was it? A Simple Proof. That was the first poem I wrote for this book. Oh, the wow. And it was, when, it, to me, well, it was the first poem I kept for the book. And the first poem that I wrote that I knew would be in the book. And to me, it became the model of what I felt the next book would be. And that was a kind of spare language um, a short line, um, more attention to the line break and enjambment 
um, for effect, um, more play between the sentence of the structure and the line break and the line um, to create it to create a tension when there wasn't one in the narrative, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I do? Like, if I wrote some of these poems out as prose, you'd be like, what? There's nothing here. But it was what what happened when I wrote these kinds of poems is it is um, it forced me to um, kind of to give more attention to these devices that I might not have paid attention to otherwise. Um, and, and what would happen is I would write this thing and I'm like, I think this is a poem. It could just be, you know, a memory. And then I would start to play with the line breaks. And then all of a sudden I could start to see the playfulness um, in the kind of syntax and the enjambment. And I said, okay, something else is happening here. And then all of a sudden the language would become kind of figurative and, you know, because of that play. Um, and so that was my way in, in this time. And, um, and hopefully it was my a successful method of turning a kind of simple moment, like an evening walk or standing in a field where um, a house is being constructed and um, and uh, a poem that was kind of maybe hopefully dynamic and rich and um, deserving of a second read. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really kind of felt like some of these went like in a kind of a new direction. Like, I think it is what you were saying about like the sparsity of the language that you kind of moved towards. I think that's definitely not something that's necessarily always there in like your previous books. Um, and to be honest, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Evan Boland. I'm a big fan of Evan Boland. So I was kind of like, oh, I can see where that, like where I would go to with that because yeah. I, I fucking love her. <laughs> and she her and Gillian, Al Gillian Alna, like the two of them, I just think they're amazing at that particular, I mean, they're both very different, but they have that sort of tone or quality to them that I find like really hard to emulate like I can't quite like I think I'm I, I go too far I think half the time but I mean I don't know but it's I, I just really liked that it's definitely it kind of felt to me like sort of a new version of your your voice you know someone told me once first of all that's the highest compliment anyone could ever give me because Evan Boland is one of my touchstone poets who I just I think she's a model because you know oftentimes you're just she's the poems are so um accessible but then all of a sudden you realize you know you are in something much more complex than you had imagined oh, like domestic um, violence like that book blew me away like oh yeah it's, it's she's just remarkable um and then um the other thing I, that you know when you give yourself these kinds of Restrictions and it forces you to be more innovative, right? And so another thing that I kept always wanting to do and struggled with, and I still wrestle with it because it doesn't come naturally. I have to keep working at it, I'm, and I continue to work at it. And I'm, I'm, you know, with the I'm working towards the next book now. Um, at the very beginning of it, but um, is it moving outward? You know, it's like I definitely felt a tension, you know, between you know here I'm writing. Well, this was pre-Trump, <laughs> but you know, um, you know, there's so much happening within the world that 
um, can I can I really just write about this moment of walking in a field? And I think you can if you're talking about the human experience, but I also feel a kind of tension or pressure to kind of look outward more. And I do in my day-to-day life, but maybe I've struggled with it uh, more than others um, in my as a poet. And so here there are moments where I felt, you know, there, you know, like in a poem, you often feel that like that moment to pivot or turn, like you feel like, okay, I need to pivot here. I don't know where to go. And, um, and so, um, I found myself sometimes looking outward at like what was happening in the world at that time, what was happening in the larger world. And that was another way that I felt, you know, I'm, you know, kind of a way in which my poems were teaching me to grow and hopefully, um, complicating, I mean that in a good way, um, a kind of simple moment, um, another device that I was drawn to. So hopefully that was effective. And I was thinking in particular, the moment where I first started doing it was, um, or I first felt it most strongly, um, was, what was that called? What's that poem called? <laughs> oh, Akrapati. So oh, yeah. Like, it's just like this simple moment of two young men wrestling, and then the mother's like, this is my normal pivot. Upstairs, my mother stood at the stove. That's normal pivot. Like, turn the camera somewhere else. Um, soon, my body seemed to say, turning under you. And I was like, I need another pivot. I need a more powerful opening up. And then I said, it was 1986, the fire at DuPont Plaza, the human immunodeficiency virus, the Challenger falling in pieces over the Atlantic. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I need to give more of a kind of global context here, you know, um, to kind of, and, and, and that felt so exciting to me. Um, you know, other people have been doing it obviously, but to me it was a new, a new growth, a moment of growth. And hopefully a, it's kind of a, another departure from what I had been doing before in this book, you know, um, to what I'm doing in this book and hopefully future books. But that is like, I really love that poem. Um, and obviously we reprinted it, but that, that was kind of why I really liked it was that it took this really intimate thing, juxtaposed it against something else and then just completely threw it into like this global context at the time. And it was, you know, 1986 was a year. I mean, I was born that year. So, like, (laughs) no, I don't mean it that way. But I mean, like, Chernobyl. I mean, like, everything seemed to fucking happen. The Challenger exploded. Like, everything seemed to happen in that year. Like, it was just one of those bizarre years where a lot of shit happened. Um, And I just thought that it was kind of like, oh, that's a really interesting way to, like, just completely throw off the folks of the poem and, like, put it in context and put it in just this place you suddenly knew where you were at the end like right at the end of the poem and then it just ends I thought it was brilliant but yeah yeah yeah, thank you yeah you're welcome yeah it's you know like I wanted to capture not only the kind of immediate wrestling with one sexual orientation um and appearance um, disapproval and kind of guarding eye, but also, um, you know, the other kinds of fears that might enter because of what was happening, you know, one's mortality mm-hmm. and, um, you know, here was, you know, HIV finally being um, named. It hadn't been named before yeah. then. And, you know, and learning about it, it was so, you know, so, um, and the way that it was um, so 
attached to sexual orientation in a way like you know that so that um that kind of was shaping the way this young man understood himself you know like so I mean, of course, you can never capture everything, but it was that moment I thought, it's not just about my, like, juxtaposing the parent and the child, but it's also this larger world that I want to bring into it. And so um, it's it's exciting because it's, again, a kind of guide for future poems as to how to, a possible way to kind of uh, enrich a poem. I'm going to have to charge my computer. Oh, that's okay. It's die. It's not being filmed, right? So No, no. <laughs> As you can see. I would not be looking like this if it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Okay. So. Yeah. I'm still having a beer as well because I'm on annual leave, so I'm like, yeah, it's after dinner time. Oh, my God. Um, that's fantastic. I'm still having coffee, so, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's still early. Night. When it's 7 o'clock my time, I'll be doing the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's really interesting what you were saying about like kind of trying to get out of your comfort zone because I I think I'm kind of in a place now where I'm sort of I feel like I'm sort of writing the same stuff over and over and over um, and like deliberately like well deliberately I suppose this year like for a year I haven't written anything um, because I just kind of felt like I mean, not to sound like a total douchebag, but, like, I think, like, that book, like, took so much effort that I just kind of thought, you know what, actually, you need to... There's no point writing anything now, because if you start writing anything immediately afterwards, you're going to write the same stuff. You haven't built up reserves of ideas or inspiration or whatever to to write anything. So I just kind of thought, like, you know what, just concentrate on everyday stuff, and the poems will come when the poems come. Um, and I kind of feel like I have this do you ever do you ever get this when you don't write for an extended period you get this weird feeling of guilt no of course Um, absolutely oh it's a terrible it's terrible like and and question I also wonder like will I ever write another poem again and I think it's such a common I think it's a common feeling and um, I think your instincts are right on to like to um, to not be worried if if you take a break and and to not want to write the same poem over and over again though I do think it's okay to write about the same subject you just have to write about it differently um, you know so um, you know in a way that's new so that it doesn't feel like you're writing the same poem over and over again so I guess I'm, I'm thinking is if you change the kind of um the devices that you're employing, you approach the subject in a way that new, and you you kind of then you kind of allow you know a, a, maybe a richer or kind of equally rich but different you know experience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for the for the reader. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's I think that's probably that's true. But I always kind of, sorry, God, interference. Um, I seriously need to get like proper equipment. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm totally fine as long as you know, as long as you're happy with the recording. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, But yeah, I think like there is that sort of 
I think people get comfortable as well. Like, I, I, mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but I see it in submissions like quite a bit sometimes. Like people send the same things over and over and over and over. And it's kind of like, okay, they're new poems, but you're coming back to me with the same thing. Like there was a reason it didn't get like yeah. accepted the last time. Like you have to come up with something new. And I think that is kind of the fear. I think you do kind of get like, oh, I'm good at this style of thing. And then you just sort of stick with it for for too long, you know. Um, I think it's I think that happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think it's, it, that's good advice. It's just like and I actually really like your idea of like just jumping into something where you're forced to write a poem. So you, you're forced to go to the art gallery every day. You're forced to come back and write something, no matter what yeah. it is. I think that's a great idea. You should just like push yourself. And, and maybe say, like, you know, and maybe say to yourself, okay, if I'm always writing in free verse, I'm going to write nothing but sonnets. Or if I'm mm. only always writing sonnets, then I'm going to write, you know, give yourself an arbitrary form just to, like, to make sure that what you say is different. Yeah. Because the form, obviously, if you change the structure, you're going to change the content. And, um, you know, that's why, like, um, you know, I, my one of my professors used to say syllabics. If you want to kind of to cleanse your palate, write in syllabics because you will write a very different poem. So I just you know you can you can take that advice and apply it to any other um, form. So, uh, so another professor once said, if you see a poem you like, imitate. You know, obviously imitations something we always do, but like imitate it, the form. So who cares if it's arbitrary? Like, and then of course it's that's just your um, springboard to write a poem, new poem. But then you've written something and now like make it your own. But um, as a way to kind of um, move past your mannerisms, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's what I think is the problem is when you start to like what, what, bo what not bothers me. What, what bothers me about my own work is when I start to see the same sentence over and over again. Um, that you know, I think oh, that's a mannerism. It feels so comfortable, and I know I can do it. It sounds pretty good, and so. Um, but of course, it's, there's the law of diminishing returns. Like you <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. successful, you start to seem like a caricature of yourself, and so um, you know. So I have to change it up, um, and um, yeah. So that's part of the excitement too. Like, what's how is this going to be different, and how am I going to get scared again? Because you kind of have to be scared, or kind of, or or at least like kind of lost, right? You have to kind of find your way. That part of finding your way is part of what makes the poem feel, and oftentimes feel rich, and um, you know, kind of captures the um, kind of urgency that like that I I hope Tom has yeah I mean I think oh my god I think you hit the nail on the head with that one with like you do have to be scared and I think sometimes some of the poems that I've written that that no I don't know if everybody would say the same thing but I think some they're some of my strongest they're the ones that have scared me the most it was because yeah. I was kind of like oh I don't really feel comfortable writing any of this but you kind of make yourself do it because it's it's kind of going well on the on the page. So you're kind of like, okay, I'll just keep pushing it. 
and I think that is like I mean one of the ones with this book that I'm absolutely fucking ratchet terrified of is um, Invocation of Ishtar because I'm it's I kind of think that everyone in my hometown forgets that I'm adopted and I'm like suitably nervous that they're going to think it's written about my mother <laughs> like who right. raised me and it's obviously not um, and it's just I think it just came from a place of anger that I probably wasn't really aware was was there um, and I realise obviously you haven't read it yet um, so you know that'll be a nice surprise for you um, but it was like the, yeah that poem did kind of scare me because it was it was kind of like a, where is this voice coming from what like what am, why 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 am I writing this where is any of this coming from um, and it was just such a strange thing but I kind of went with it and now that's sort of like the thing if I try and sit down and write that I think of like I kind of have to scare myself a little bit I have to make myself nervous I have to put myself in a place in a poem where I'm not really sure where I'm going because I think that's when you do the best stuff it's like again it's like going to the art gallery and forcing yourself to write a poem about a painting because it's uncomfortable yeah, yeah and waiting for the moment that hits you like you, like instead of I, w- I wouldn't just pick like that's kind of interesting I wouldn't write about just mm. any that was kind of interesting but something that struck me and was kind of in a mysterious way and I didn't really know why and that's scary because I, I don't know why this is um, compelling um, and and I think you can do that with subject matter. Um, a lot of times when I write about something, I think of like what I cannot seem to resolve. Um, and then that tension kind of propels me through the poem. Um, and because, you know, why write about something that you've, you're already familiar with? You already know it. It's going to, you know, you already know... Um, Kind of how you feel about it, right? You might not bring in anything new. It might become kind of two-dimensional if you already, yeah, you know, if you write what you already understand. But um, but you can also scare yourself. I guess what I was trying to say is you can also scare yourself by writing in a new um, style or a new form. That is also kind of scary because even if you take material that you written about this new style forces you to say it like even when like rhyme like a rhyme scheme as you know you know like a rhyme scheme might force you to, to you know forces your ear will lead you in a different direction um than maybe imagery if you've been privileging imagery or syntax or whatever so um so anyway yeah so you know like yeah I think fear <laughs> is fear the right word um yeah, yeah, maybe urgency. Urgency, I feel like has to be there, or yeah. I'm, I'm just do like just journaling. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not quite the same thing. It doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Do you find it difficult? Maybe I'll keep this to the last question. But do you find it difficult to, um, to figure out which poems are going to come first? I mean, because I felt like I went through. I'd say about six different versions of that book before I got to like, oh, actually, this is kind of the story that's sort of working. Because if you reorder them, it becomes a completely different book. Did you like struggle with that? Like, do you still struggle with that? 
Um, I struggled with it a lot with mm-hmm. this book in particular, and I changed it several times, and I even changed it one last time. While it was, that, while it was with the publisher, because that's what I did. <laughs> Yeah, but they're like, okay, final edit. And I think they were expecting me to say, oh, I don't know if it's common here. And I was like, and I just like sent in the new version <laughs> <laughs> with a completely different order. Yeah, that's and, exactly what I did. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm so glad that I did it because now when I read it, I'm like, oh, I found it. But I did, I thought, oh, I'm done. And then I try again. I'm like, no, it's not done. And um you know, someone once told me, no one's going to think of, like, I would have these kind of elaborate reasons, or kind of, uh, yeah, ex- this elaborate explanation for why I ordered something the way I did. Mm. And my friend mm. said, no one else is going to look at your, stru- like, the order the way you are. You know, like, no yeah, one it's is so going true. to. Yeah. yeah, and so I was like, but think about how rich it'll be if I weave these themes in this way, and the arc is like... Then only I-, I will notice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I said, so I did that, and my other friend said, this who's talking and who died and what's you know and I was like, oh, <laughs> shoot it's like and then as then you have the dilemma like does it matter well to that reader it did um some readers it won't what you know who is this who is your reader and then i real you know and then you start weighing pros and cons and um and so yeah it was and then one moment i was you know it was always in like it was in two sections and it was in three sections and I was like realized four sections and um once I did that and I you know I kind of I found the order that I felt was I thought could appeal to um to the reader who wants to be grounded in kind of the narrative arc but also um also you know magnify the relationship um, the relationships between the various themes. So um, talking about my son's adoption might resonate with talking about, um, you know, my family history. And um, talking about my son's relationship with his mother might resonate with a poem about me and my mother, or my mother and her mother, my father and his mother. So they don't have to be up right next to each other in order to do that either so anyway um hopefully it worked out in the end but it did take a lot of trial and error and i'm sure some people will like it and some people will think it's terrible but i'm happy with it and um it took it took a lot of a lot of time i always tell my students when they i have a i teach a manuscript workshop um it's a two semester workshop it's so wonderful to see what the students do over the course of a year with a manuscript having all this attention on it and eyes yeah. you know giving feedback and they're always so terrified in the beginning and i just say pick the least bad order <laughs> right now that's what you're aiming for that, that's Start such an easy thing <laughs> to do <laughs> but yeah no i'm not saying pick the best order yeah the of least course bad. Like, what is the least bad in your eyes? And you start there. And then you have something to work with. And part of the fun is then reading through the book and saying, oh, now I see a relationship between these two poems that I didn't see before. Um, Or you see, like, oh, I see that I'm I'm using a lot of similes in these poems here. Or, like, you start to see mannerisms that you maybe didn't see before. So you can then edit. Then I would kind of go through the manuscript and edit you know, with that order and like, say, oh, now this poem could go here and this poem could go there, you know, so, 
and also like the Virgo in me, like like I want balance. Like if this section has that many pages, I want these sections to. So um, you know that's 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 a personal <laughs> um, flaw, but um, or strength, however you might you know choose to see it. But well, I'm a Virgo, uh, so I'm going to go with strength. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just <like> say it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so um, it took a while, a lot of trial and error, good feedback from friends, and um, and my editors were amazing. Um, and um, until it's here, and now it's done. Now it's like, it is what it is. And right? It's such a beautiful book, and thank you so much for thank sending you. me a copy and signing it for me. <laughs> I was very happy with that. Hi. Yeah, my pleasure, and um, I'm happy to talk about it. I appreciate it. The time that you're, you've given it. I appreciate the time you took to, to do it, <laughs> like, first thing in the morning. My pleasure. All right. Well, thanks Thank so much. This has been absolutely fantastic. Perfect. Thanks, Lorcan. Right. Take care, okay? You, you too. Have a great day. Bye. I'll keep in touch. Yeah, Enjoy your do. beer. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Many, many thanks to Blast for joining me on the podcast. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this. Um, if you did, please give us a rating on iTunes. Um, like, share and subscribe. And until next time, thank you so much for joining us.